Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1.33 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott and Cody Jansen with you. Bob away for the next couple of weeks, perhaps even a third. Might be an extended stay, you and I chatting together here. During the season, the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Nothing doing in the NHL injury-wise right now. So let's instead head to our next guest on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Always a pleasure to chat with the host of Inside Sports and the Oilers Radio Network. That's Reed Wilkins. Wilkie, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. Let's start with this. You were alive in 1988. I was not. So what are your memories of uh, the Oilers shipping Wayne Gretzky south of the border as we sit here today on the anniversary of that event? Well, I I remember that week. Well, I was going to say very well, but I, I, I do remember it, that things fade over time and some of the details go away. But I mean, I was 14, so I was totally aware of of what was happening it was the summer before i was going into grade 10 and i i have this memory of there being something in the edmonton journal maybe two or three days before the trade i think written by jim matheson that uh that something could possibly happen with with wayne gretzky that that there might be some sort of a trade in the works and and I mean, obviously, this predates the internet, social media, anything like that. I mean, we would live in north of Evansburg. We had two TV stations. We had to uh, turn our aerial to get ITV to watch the Oilers games. That uh, we usually got one Oilers game a week during the regular season, and then maybe they were on Saturday night on CBC. So, you know, the the went into town and you got a good old-fashioned hard copy of the newspaper and that's how you got a lot of your news and I I think it was Matheson had written this article that there could be something brewing like it wasn't inconceivable that Wayne Gretzky could be traded and I remember my dad showed it to me and we were kind of like this is clearly not going to happen I mean this just must be speculation there's no way this could possibly happen and then I don't really remember exactly the moment that that I heard that that it had happened. Uh, My dad and I might have even been playing nine holes of golf at the Pemina Valley Golf Course, which was just (laughs) a couple miles from our house. Uh, Because I think we we got home and and mom told us or heard it on the radio or something. And, And then I remember watching the news conference from Molson House that afternoon because CTV or CFRN and, and CBC just blew out their afternoon program to cover this. So I remember seeing that live and uh, I told Mess I wouldn't do this comment. And That was hard all that to happening. watch. I, I was and just was, watching it here, Reed, just leading up to today's show. You know, that was painful to watch even 30 some odd years later. And, you know, the amount of microphones he's sitting in front of there, it, it was uh, an incredibly emotional moment. 
Well, and I, and I remember thinking at the time, and when I have gone back and watched it as an adult or in recent years, and, you know, we've, we've had, uh, I've been able to interview Bruce McNall a couple of times about it. it, it like watching that, I always think to myself, even though I know what happened, I, I always think to myself, how did how did this happen? Like, he clearly doesn't want to leave. He's bawling his eyes out about leaving Edmonton and leaving the Oilers. Why is he going? Like, just stand up and say you don't want to go. <laughs> because clearly, it, and, and even, you know, McNall, who was getting him, even told him, say, look, if, if you don't want to do this, I, if you want need to back out, I'll understand. And Gretzky, you know, committed to it. And obviously, the relationship with Pocklington had pretty much completely broken down at that time. But that, but I remember thinking at the, at, at the time, and even when I watch it now, even though I know what happened, I still think to myself, "Well, just stand up and say you're not going. Like you don't want to go. You're crying. Like just keep winning Stanley Cups with the Oilers. It'll, it'll keep happening." But it's just, it's just crazy. And it's it's sort of if if you didn't live through it, it's it's kind of hard to explain because I think it is easy to say, well, how did it get to that point? Why didn't somebody just stand up and say, okay, okay, hold on, everybody, take a deep breath. Like Pocklington, you got this player. Like just f- figure out your finances, you know. And someone to say to Gretzky, like, okay, maybe you're you don't like this guy right now, or he's he's gone. You know, things have changed with the relationship, but you love all these other players and stuff. But that's that's the point it it, it reached. And I mean, I just heard the the interview with uh, with Craig Simpson, and, and that's the thing: the Oilers still won the Stanley Cup once after that. Sure, we can sit here and say what if, what if, how many more would have they won? Uh, we'll never know. The LA Kings had a run to the Stanley Cup in final in 1993 and got beat by Patrick Waugh and the Montreal Canadiens. So, I, I guess you could say it. it it kind of worked out both ways, though. You though you wonder from an Edmonton perspective, could have there even been more banners in the rafters if Gretzky had stuck around? Yeah, without a doubt. And you look at what the Rangers did in '94, which was my actual birth year, so I'm a little bit more familiar with that. Um, but you know, so so significant, tough to to handicap exactly the impact that that had on the growth of hockey exponentially south of the border. But you you really can't deny it at this point. Now let's fast forward to uh, to some more current chatter. We've talked a lot today about uh, Darnell Nurse's eight years, nine point two five million dollars. As we're joined here by the host of Inside Sports, Reed Will. But, Reed, let me ask you about uh, this Brendan Perlini pickup because it's insignificant on the surface. One-year, two-way deal, uh, $750,000. But, you know, he's a, a former lottery pick, 13th overall to Arizona in 2014. I, I don't mind them taking a flyer on a player like this, particularly because I think he'll push Devin Shore and, and they might really have a, a benefit there from that internal competition. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, Devin Shore was uh, in the NHL last year, and Brendan Perlini was not. So, you know, he's got some size. He's still relatively young. He's only 25. You're right. He's He's got the draft position going in the first round in 2014. Uh, I guess you kind of say he had one decent year with Arizona. His second year, he had 30 points in 74 games, including 17 goals, which is a, a, a nice total. Uh, with Chicago, he had... Uh, well, I guess with Chicago and Arizona combined, he had 14 goals another year. But, I mean, again, he was out of the NHL last year, and, and the contract he's coming in on suggests that he's he's more likely seen as someone who's going to help in Bakersfield. And if there's an opportunity, maybe he's one of the first guys called up. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, just, I just am always leery of players once they're, 
not in the NHL. You, you know, there, there's there's a reason they're perceived that way. There's probably a shortcoming that has uh, has that, that that kept them out of the NHL, even if it was just for for one season. You know, I look at. Uh, you know, Gaetan Haas and, and Joachim Nygaard that the Oilers brought in from Europe a couple of years ago. Now, granted, those guys hadn't played in the NHL, but you always think, okay, so now they're coming to the NHL uh, in their mid to late 20s. Like, did they really improve that much? I mean, I mean, I think that that was kind of taking a flyer on those two players. I think that's a bit of a situation with Perlini, probably some more certainty that he might be able to play in the National Hockey League because he, he had before. But do I look at him as... Uh, stiff competition to play on the Oilers fourth line. I, I would have to say no, simply because he wasn't in the NHL last season and the Oilers have, uh, have people in those roles who were on the team last year. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair enough. And you make a lot of good points there on that. I brought up with John Shannon earlier that I think it's a sort of, it's a signal that maybe, you know, some of these higher end flyers actually want to come and give Edmonton a try. They want to come ply their trade in this organization. And that hasn't always been the case. And to me, over the last couple of years, you notice that when they had to go shopping over in the Swedish league or the Swiss league in order to find some of the depth that, you know, they couldn't really afford even on NHL guys or excuse me, AHL guys. Maybe that's just because they didn't want to, you know, play within this organization. But watching the trajectory that I think the Oilers are are very obviously on now as they push and, and go all in towards a championship, I don't I don't know that I would limit it to just the McDavid effect. I think that people are seeing something brewing with the Oilers here and maybe more willing to give the organization a shot. And then, you know, if this guy does pop for another double digit goal season, if given the opportunity, he's doing it for you for cheap rather than somewhere else where he's resurrecting his career. Well, I don't know if he got any offers somewhere else. I, I mean, look, again, he was in Switzerland last year. So I would think any NHL offer, any North American offer w- would look appealing to Perlini. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I think if you look at a higher end free agent like Zach Hyman wanting to come to Edmonton, sure. I, I, I think that, okay, he's got the opportunity to play with McDavid, maybe with Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, whoever, and be on a really good team. I, I think Perlini probably just wants a job in North America. Um, you know, I, I would think if that would have been with the, the Buffalo Sabres or whoever, he's probably looking at that as well because you want to get back here and you want to be in the NHL and and you want to maximize uh, your earning potential and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I don't put a player like that in the same category as, as some of the other free agents who have been out there and a couple that the Oilers have been able to land this year. It's been a nice change as we chat with Reed Wilkins here from Inside Sports. It's Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. 8 by 9.25 for Darnell Nurse. Your initial reaction to that deal? Well, my initial reaction was that I didn't think he would get that much average annual value. I, now, I thought he would get a lot. I, I thought he would certainly get 8, maybe 8.5. I didn't know if it would go to 9 simply because McCarr got 9, and I, I think McCarr's ceiling offensively is is higher if you look at what he's already accomplished in his career. Now, Darnell Nurse is older, and he's eaten up years where he could have been an unrestricted free agency. So I guess that figures into the contract. Nurse, a step forward this season. I, I mean, this this past year was without a doubt his HL. His his point total, if you look at points per game, was easily the best that he's ever had i mean he did have half a point 19 he was well over that this past season and he scored 16 times i think what 
Darnell Nurse was better at this past season that when he got the puck, especially on the rush inside the offensive blue line, he made a more dangerous play more often. Sometimes it was scoring, and I think he got better at distributing the puck as opposed to maybe earlier in his career, he might have a dangerous rush and then it might die off with a, sh- a low bad angle that the goalie ate up. So I think once you kind of take that step mentally and in terms of processing the game, that state is he going to score at the same rate in the upcoming season i don't know about that i mean he got 16 goals in 56 games if he got 16 goals in 82 games that would be a pretty uh, a pretty good year he will be on the power play if if they split it up the same time they did last year and i don't see why they wouldn't we're and Barry about two-thirds of the time, and Darnell Nurse about a, a third of the time. They probably do that again. That gives him the chance to get points and goals. I, I think if you look completely objectively, probably three or four goals of his of his total this past season was was feasting on the Ottawa goaltending with Ozzy for most of the year. But still, he made better plays. He was more offensively aware, and, and he finished. So I, I don't know if his his goals be what it was this past season, but I still think he can probably comfortably get into the teens, especially if he's on the ice a lot with some of the Oilers' big guys and Tyson Berry, and is often on the ice uh, on the power play. I, I mean, look, he had a pretty good season. I, I heard you talking earlier, like, is he a number one defenseman? There, there are very, there aren't thirty-two five-tool defensemen in the NHL. Um, is Darnell Nurse one of them? Probably, but there is no doubt that he's the best defenseman the Oilers has. The Oilers have, and I think it's reasonable to hope or or that his best years might still be ahead of him. I mean, he just turned 26 in February. He's at 406 NHL games. He's kind of moving into where defensemen often uh, truly blossom and become that the players they were meant to be. Uh, I, I mean. Again, it's it's for a long time. I think if he just would have signed for three years, four years, five years, that would have added to the anxiety about him leaving and McDavid leaving all in the next four or five years. So he's committed long-term, Hyman's committed long-term, and, and Nuge's committed long-term. So I think that it's more likely that eventually you're going to have Dreisaitl and McDavid stick around. But but again, you know, Nurse is, Nurse is the, the best defense last year. And the the flip side of it, I mean, if if you're saying, well, man, that's that's a long time. It's like, okay, well, we could have signed a longer term deal, or some of the other players that have left over the years. All right, chatting with our uh, headliner today, Reed Wilkins, brought to you by oh, Wilhock Beef Jerky. Just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for W I L H A U K today. Reed, your voice has dropped probably three octaves here. Uh, it sounds like the Arby's beef and cheddar commercial. So we're going to take a quick timeout, reset uh, on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
the uh, River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. We'll wrap up with some talk on the Elks. Appreciate you sticking around. Brendan Escott in today on Oilers Now. Brendan Escott holding down the fort as we come down the stretch drive. Monday's edition of Oilers Now. We're chatting with the host of Inside Sports, Reed Wilkins. We'll tell you quickly, Royal Pizza. It's pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years now. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online to royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. I think we got Reed back to his normal voice. Um, what happened? I, I'm not sure. It's I wasn't something... doing a funny voice that time. It was Sometimes like... I do that. <laughs> that was meats. real. We have the meats. That's kind of what it sounded like. Yeah, I turned into Thanos <laughs> for a second, apparently. Well, I couldn't hear what I sounded like, so i sorry I just kept going when you probably needed me to stop talking. You know what? Again. It's it... <laughs> Cody just about spit-taked in the other studio. I'm watching him laugh yeah. at that. All good, my friend. Hey, If uh, I could do that on demand, trust me, I would do it. <laughs> we... Uh, we both had the pleasure of taking in the Elks game on Saturday, myself at field level, yourself as a, a spectator there. And what started out as a, a fairly good football game as they returned back to the field, or at least a decent enough opening drive, it uh, pretty well disintegrated from there on both ends of the ball. Not a whole lot doing offensively. And then a couple of key mistakes end up costing the Elks game one of this regular season. It was talked about as a pretty big upset among the uh, CFL insiders there. So, uh, listen, what was was your assessment of football without a preseason because that's what it looked like to me well i mean i'll start with a positive and that is the the defensive line completely yes. lived up to the expectations if not exceeded the expectations they had five sacks they had ton of a ton of pressure they probably had a couple of plays that were within a yard of being counted as a sack. I mean, Matt Nichols must have fallen forward over the line of scrimmage a couple of times, so it wasn't a sack. Boating was exceptional. Uh, you know, the new linebackers did a good job. The the guys in the secondary made some plays. Uh, I mean, Grimes and Mincy and, and some of the guys came up really big. So the defense was good. And, yeah, sure, it was it was only Ottawa, but if Ottawa doesn't have a very good offense, then you should be able to go, go after them and, and keep them out of the end zone. Um, just just completely frustrating on offense. Uh, like you said, the first drive was promising, didn't get into the end zone okay. And then after that, it was just a lot of short passes, and they just didn't look out of rhythm. And I, as I always say, you know, Blake Dermott always tells me, you got to be careful criticizing the play calling because you don't know what play was called in the huddle. But you know, when you're watching a play, you can kind of tell when the quarterback wants to throw it and what the timing of the play is supposed to be. And it looked like on some plays, you know, Trevor Harris was holding the ball a little longer than maybe the play was designed for him to hold it. And he was looking downfield and the ball wasn't coming off. And then there were a lot of checkdowns. I mean, I'm glad James Wilder got a lot of touches, but I'm not sure you want him being the leading receiver in terms of receptions. I think he wound up with nine, and Darrell Walker had eight. And even on that last play of the game, I get it. It's exciting. It's going to be remembered that they were one yard short. But as soon as he threw that check down, like the game was over. He's not beating three Ottawa guys to get into the end zone. I mean, that ball has to be delivered into the end zone on the last play. If they weren't going to try a quick out that took 
three seconds and then still have time for another play, maybe six yards closer. So just to interject on that, you're, you're throwing the ball to your fullback and that's no disrespect to James Tuck, but you know, this isn't Calvin McCarty, your fullback. This is uh, a guy stepping into a full-time role this year. Meanwhile, you have Ellingson and Darrell Walker and those receiving options. And to me, the ball's got to get in the end zone, like you're saying. Yeah, it does, and, and you might get pass interference or, or whatever. So it was, it was just a frustrating game. I mean, they had, they had that other big game negated by a penalty. I, I hope the offense is better than that. Uh, I mean, look, either it, it was either the play calling, it was either some Harris being out of timing, or it was either the receivers uh, not being able to get open. And, and maybe Ottawa's defense is better than we, we thought they are, but you only needed a few more points to – to win the game and, and they were definitely there to get I, I'll I, you know but I'll give Ottawa credit for what they did do defensively and I'll give Ottawa credit on special teams I, I mean the punting was excellent yeah. and the punt coverage was excellent I know I know we were excited to get Terry Williams but the punts drove him back and they were often between the hash mark and the sideline where he couldn't get anything going and that limited Edmonton making a big play on special teams as well but pretty frustrating because the one the one thing I heard before the season was that Ottawa's is going to be terrible and then <laughs> the Elks lose to Ottawa. So that's not a great sign. Um, not a great sign out of the gate, but you know, clearly an upset with Toronto beating Calgary as well. Weird situation with, with BC and Saskatchewan and Hamilton, which was supposed to be expo- explosive offensively after a pretty good first quarter, didn't do much against Winnipeg and yeah, maybe no preseason and not having played for a long time hurt the offenses more than the defenses. Well, you know, a lot of the talk leading into the week was just don't invest too much stock into what you're seeing week one, because frankly, we don't even know what to expect. Reed, appreciate the insight. My man will uh, make sure to connect a couple times before Bob Stoffer returns. It's always a pleasure to chat. Yeah, I'll work on my deep voice for you. <laughs> Sounds good. You've got you got requests on the text line for it, so uh, appreciate that. That is Reed Wilkins uh, from Inside Sports. As we run into this day in Oilers history, we've mentioned it a couple times. It's brought to you by New West Travel. Experience a great holiday to Vancouver on a private jet, three nights in a hotel for just six hundred ninety nine dollars. Details at newwesttravel.com. Let me say no more than this. Promise Ness and do this. <laughs> but um, as I said, there comes a time when when And that's basically all Wayne was able to get out. Not two months after Edmonton's fourth Stanley Cup in five years was secured. This day in 1988, the Oilers trade captain Wayne Gretzky along with Mike Krusielniski and Marty McSorley to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for Jimmy Carson. First round draft choice Marty Jelena. First round picks in 1989, 91, and 93. And $15 million in cash. Shockwaves around Edmonton and all of Canada rippled as the great one shed those tears in front of the microphones. He went on to play eight seasons in Los Angeles, spurring growth, as we know, in the game south of the border, scored 918 points in silver and black. This day in new uh, this day in Oilers history rather brought to you by New West Travel. Experience that great holiday to Vancouver. Private jet, complimentary open bar, three nights hotel, $699. Visit newwesttravel.com for more details. Should have asked Reed directly what he had coming up on the show. Good thing he's got a great producer. Dave Campbell tells me that Jack Michaels, voice of the Edmonton Oilers on 6:30 Chad and SportsNet will join them. Elks in-game analyst Blake Dermott with some few more uh, uh, thoughts on 
Saturday's game. Sean Fitzgerald from the Athletic on the Summer Olympics and Edmonton Wildcats head coach Darcy Park on the opening of their new facility in Sherwood Park. How about that? The Huskies moving east. Wildcats, rather. Not Huskies, Wildcats. We got the two, though. Anyway, before I say the wrong thing next, we'll send it off to a Global News weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. That's followed by Angela Cocott from 2 to 3, and then 6.30 Jet Afternoons with guest host Ted Henley. So long, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen, rocking all week with you on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.